Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, thank you for your wonderfulness. Thank you for how your wonderfulness invades the wreckage of our lives and somehow brings something wonderful out of what has wrecked us. Thank you that you are mighty. You are powerful. You are wonderful. You're amazing. You are awesome. You are benevolent. You are creator. You are sovereign. You are faithful. You are merciful. God, we can call the roll and conclude that you are wonderful. You are wonderful. And so, God, we worship you. We adore you for who you are, but we thank you and praise you for all you've done. And now we thank you and praise you for this moment that you have impregnated with such awesome possibilities for renewal and revival, for healing, hope, for empowerment, even emancipation. Thank you for what you are up to and for the fact that none of us are here by accident. We're here because you planned it. We thank you that in your omniscient, omnicompetence, you know what we're going through. You know how we feel. You know what we're dealing with. You know what we're up against. So God, we need a word from you. We need to hear from you. If we don't hear from you, Lord, what shall we do? So please, remove any distractions that may divert our attention. Don't let me or anything in me or about me get in the way of what you are up to and what you want to say and accomplish through me. Hide me behind the cross and help us to see Jesus and we'll give you all of the glory and honor. Empty me of myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Stand in my body. Take over my mind and think your thoughts. Take my mouth now and speak with power your word. Now, bless your word with such power that none of us leave here the same way we came. Bless your word with such power. The lives are changed. The broken are healed. The captive are set free. Bless your word with such power that you do exceeding abundantly above anything I can ask or imagine according to the power at work within me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and hallelujah what a mighty god we serve our god is good i think the brother said it our god is wonderful hallelujah you may be seated in god's presence i want to say uh, how honored and humbled i am always to come back home to tabernacle uh to be exposed to uh the phenomenal progressive uh peerless ministry of this great pastor uh the incredibly gifted uh, Dr. Charles Goodman. Uh, Dr. Charles Goodman, as far as I'm concerned, uh, is the voice for uh, this generation, and God is using him in a very powerful way, opening doors, and, and in a very powerful way, God is using him to make a difference, uh, to stem the tide of anti-churchness. Uh, that is going on in this country. Uh, people are saying that we are in a what? A post-Christian age in America. And I say you need to go down to Tabernacle in Augusta uh, because they are doing the doggone thing led by a phenomenal preacher and pastor and Pastor Charles Goodman. Uh, the brother's so bad, uh, in case y'all don't know, uh, he is the uh, morning preacher at the prestigious Hampton uh, Ministers Conference, which will be held in June. Uh, that's the all-star for preaching, okay? Uh, that's the Super Bowl for homiletics. And uh, so he's going to be doing that. Uh, I hadn't planned on going until I heard he was preaching. And so I'm going to be in the house because I know, like the devil in hell, that he can preach the horns off of Billy Goat. Uh, he, came, he came to Friendship West. Uh, last June and uh, you all need to really be careful about letting him out because he showed out showed up showed out and uh, so the people at the church uh, were asking okay so when is he coming back and I said he just left and they said we well, can come back this year can I said he has he has his own church so chill uh, but I mean you talk about a church that fell in love with Charles Goodman they are crazy about him at Friendship West, so so we're going to have him on repeat because we got to have him back on the regular. He is such a gift to the body of Christ, and of course, uh, the amazing ministry of this church reflects 
uh, both his genius as well as uh, his commitment, most importantly, to Jesus Christ. And so uh, when I come here, I'm learning how to do church uh, because he's doing it. And I'm going to show you all this because I was watching that video. I ain't never seen that video in my life. And so I'm seeing stuff on there I've never seen before. So I need whoever did that. Uh, can I get a copy? Because uh, I want to show off. You know, because I didn't know I was all of that. And so I want to show off to people, you know, that I'm all that. Because I had not a clue. I mean, I was just, I was like, man, Freddie Haynes, you something else. So uh, y'all make me feel that way. So I appreciate it. And thank God again for this ministry. I'm always uh, extremely elated to see my family in the house. Uh, they are just absolutely adorable, loving, and wonderful. So I saw y'all earlier. Where'd y'all move to? Okay, there you go. There you go. There's my fam. There's my fam. Good to see y'all. I love you so much. My grandmother, Sweetie, uh, was born here in Augusta uh, back in the day. She wouldn't never tell us how old she was. I don't know when she was born, uh, but I do know she was born in Augusta. And so uh, first time I came, I said, this is home. So I'm always honored uh, to be here. I want to call your attention in these few moments to a passage of scripture found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> and beginning at the 26th verse, we find the words of our text for this message. I'm reading from the English Standard Version translation of the Greek New Testament. It reads, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know <clears throat> what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose. You may be seated in God's presence. I want to put a tag on this text. And in these few moments, I'd like to use the subject from which to preach these words and that is, and, and I want to uh, share this with you, kind of a, a kind of a different slant. But I want to talk about working with negatives to get a better picture. Working with negatives to get a better picture. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we owe to human guile with torn and bleeding hearts we smile we wear the mask those poetic words from the pen and genius of Paul Lawrence Dunbar one of the drum majors of the literary parade of the Harlem Renaissance reflect not only the fact that he was writing to a people who had known the pain and suffering as a result of the psychic wounding coming from experiencing racism in these disunited states of America, but he goes on to unpack the fact that in many instances, we as a people have majored in faking it until we can make it. Why? Because we know how to look happy while out on the outside while our hearts are hurting on the inside. In many instances, we are smiling and yet beyond the smile, there are scars that are reflected reflective of suffering. That's why you never know what people are going through. You never know what people have been up against. You never know what people are dealing with. And so Dunbar declares with poetic brilliance that we wear the mask. And somebody's looking at me right now and already I'm in your Kool-Aid and God has had me call out your flavor. And the bottom line is people don't have a clue as to what you've been through. They don't know what you've been up against. That's why you should never judge someone based on what you see on the outside because you don't know the hell and torment they're dealing with on the inside. Preach Freddie Haynes. I'm about to do that. Let me see if I can illustrate this idea. The Halloween I remember most perhaps the Halloween I only remember is a Halloween that check this. I had to wear a mask that covered up scars and wounds. This is 
what had gone down. I was probably eight or nine years old. We're living in Palo Alto, California, and my father is showing me how to ride a two-wheeler bike. It's my first two-wheeler bike. I had had a bike, watch this, with, with the wheels on it that helped to balance, but now it's a two-wheeler bike, and I'm learning to ride the bike, and so he sets me on top of the bike seat, and then he pushes me. I began to rotate, watch this, the pedals in perfect harmony, and then it got good to me, and the next thing you know, I had to accelerate my pace. Why? Because I'm loving the fact that I know how to ride a two-wheeler, but check out what happened. Then it dawned on me, I don't know how to stop the bike, and with that being the case, I panicked, and my sisters and brothers, I began to look for a way to stop the bike. There were some bushes down the street, and so I decided that I would ride into the bushes, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, the front wheel of the bike collided with the edge of the bushes. That caused, don't miss this, the wheel, the, the wheel to stop, and then the bike began to rotate, and as the bike rotated, it threw me off of the bike. I landed in some bushes. Check this. I now have all kinds of cuts and scrapes and scars on me. That, watch this, is the Saturday before Monday, which was Halloween, and I could not miss Halloween because I wanted to make sure I got treats and avoided all tricks. That could preach, but I won't do that right now. And with that being the case, I asked my mother to do everything in her power to minister to, to nurse my scrapes and cuts and bruises, blaming my father for not showing me how to stop my bike. And she, of course, was mad at him and went in on him while trying to tend to my wounds. And yet, by Monday, the wounds were still there. And so I hope you see me on the screen of your anointed imagination as I return home after school that uh, school that day and when I got home I could not wait to get into my superhero costume because I was going trick or treat I'm about to shout you I tried to get into the costume I hope you can see me as I bent my limbs and tried to delicately cover the scars and the scrapes the wounding and the bruises trying to get in my costume I'm dressed as a superhero on the outside, but note there are scars on the inside. I'll park here parenthetically because there's someone looking at me right now. I just pulled up at your address and people see you as a superhero, but they don't know that beneath the superhero activity, there are scars and wounds. And so there I am dressed, watch this, to go out trick or treating. I hope you follow me now on the screen of your anointed imagination. I'm going trick or treating. And while going trick or treating, I am showing people what I want them to see. Preach, Freddie. I'm about to do that. They can only see what I want them to see. They can't see the scars and, and the pus that is now coming from the bruises that have been scraped by my outfit. And as a consequence, they see what I want them to see. But in Inside, I'm struggling. Inside, I'm hurting. Inside, I'm suffering. But they see what I want them to see. Come here, because somebody's looking at me right now, and let's keep it a buck. That's what you majored in, letting people see what you want them to see, but they don't know what's going on beneath what they can see. And so there I am, my sisters and brothers, on Halloween, having to quit early. Why did I quit? quit because it was becoming too uncomfortable to wear a mask over the scars that were on the inside. In a real sense, I ended up missing out on treats because I was trying to cover up my scars. Now, I'm going to help someone because you came to church tonight and let's keep it a buck. God brought you here because there's a mask you wear. It's your church mask. It's your holy mask. And people look at you and see you as spiritual and as saintly that's cool but let's keep it a buck because all of us I don't care how big your Bible is how long you've been going to church you've been through something that ain't quite through with you 
I got to do that one more time. You've been through it, but it's not through with you. As a consequence, there are scars and scrapes that others can't see, but we see what you want us to see. I'm still not coming through. I'll make this real plain. Two years ago, I was in a car accident where I was rear-ended, hit from behind. I sadly took my car to what the shop where they have the car fixed, the body shop, and here's what blew my mind. The adjuster came out and the adjuster said, well, let me let you know off the top that right now I'm giving you one price, but we're not going to be able to assess the full damage until we get under the hood, until we see what the eye can't see right now, because oftentimes cars have an accident and they suffer. Here's your shout from hidden damage. The hidden damage is where the real cost is going to be. The hidden damage is where the real cost on what you're going to have to pay is going to be. I'm stopping right there because that's somebody's story. You've had the accident. It happened back then, but what you're dealing with today is the cost of the hidden damage, and it's that hidden damage that you continue to pay a price for. I stop right here, especially to salute our beautiful and brilliant African-American women because, sisters, is that not your story? This is National Women's History Month. I thought I would say a word about our superhero sisters who oftentimes handle their business, but we have no idea what's going on underneath all that they are attempting to get done. And so we salute our bad, beautiful, bold sisters who keep doing it, but underneath there is hidden damage. Y'all still not getting it. And so watch this, my sisters and brothers. That is exactly what happened with the cat who's a protege of mine who lives up in Minnesota. His name is Jamie. And Jamie, I saw him watch this toward the end of last year. And Jamie said, Pastor, before I leave you, would you mind covering me in prayer? I said, cool in the gang. I then got down on my knees inviting him to join me on my knees. He said, Pastor, I wish I could get on my knees. He then, without me soliciting or asking him to, he rolls up his pant leg and shows me that both of his knees are wounded. Now, don't miss this. He has on some, on some sharp pants. The pants are what's up. They don't pop. He doesn't pop mollies. He rocks Tom Ford. And so the pants are by Tom Ford. And with that being the case, he has on Tom Ford pants over some knees that have been scarred and wounded. I said, what's up with that? You a praying man. What happened to your knees? He said, Pastor, let me tell you my testimony. His testimony was so riveting. I had to download it on my mental computer. And now I'm going to sermonically print y'all a copy. This is what happened to my boy, Jamie. Jamie is a prayer warrior. Jamie lives in Minnesota and Jamie testified transparently that the winter before, don't miss this, he had been invited to Chicago to participate in a prayer conference and what he did, he was excited with expectation. He prepared for that conference to present in that conference and then the day before the conference, a major snow and ice storm hit the Minnesota area and that's ice storm and that ice storm and that 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 snowstorm was so fierce it was a mess it paralyzed Minnesota that says a lot because for Minnesota be, to be paralyzed you know it has to be a lot of snow and to make matters worse he got word that Chicago had been hit by the same storm Jamie is Jamie is disappointed but not discouraged and he decides to drive from Minnesota to Chicago in the storm his mama says son don't do it it's too dangerous but because he feels passionate about his call he ignored sound counsel I'll stop right there because sometimes you can be so passionate about what you feel God has called you to do you ignore common sense wisdom and good counsel and that's what Jamie did Jamie gets in his car and once he got in his car he decided to try out his phone because he wanted to call and let the people where he was going know he was on the roads 
still coming, but it was then that he discovered or was reminded he had failed, don't miss this, to pay his phone bill. And so the phone was disconnected. With the phone being disconnected, it was only good for playing games. You do know folk like that. They have relationships. They ain't got a connection, and so they just play games. Preach, Freddie. I just did. That wasn't in my sermon. I thought I dropped that on y'all. And so watch what happened. Jamie drives from Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, towards Chicago in the midst of this storm. But the storm was so fierce, and the ice storm was coming down so strong, he hit a patch of ice, and the patch of ice caused his caused him to lose control. He's spinning out of control until the car then goes off of the bank, and then it flips over. He's hanging upside down in the process of hanging upside down. His knees had hit, here it is, the steering wheel, and the knees hitting the steering wheel was what had caused Jamie to find himself unable to bow down with me and pray, and so get the metaphor. Jamie, his world has been flipped upside down. His knees are in pain, and he's a prayer warrior, and he's in the midst of a storm, but he can't call anyone because his phone is disconnected. I'm going to unpack that right quick because that's someone's story who's in church even right now. Yeah, on the outside, you're looking good, but let's keep it a buck. What you've been through ain't through with you because what had happened was you found yourself in a situation that flipped your world upside down. The storm not only has left you with your world flipped upside down, but to make matters worse, here you are feeling disconnected. Now, let me just hang out right there because I don't care how much you go to church. There are moments in your walk with God where you feel disconnected. There are moments in your walk with God where you wonder, God, what the hell is going on? Why y'all playing like y'all not feeling me? The Bible lets us know that Gideon was disconnected from God. And when the angel of the Lord said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, Gideon said, if God is for is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Do you sense the disconnection? Well, since y'all didn't feel G, let me go with JC because Jesus is on Calvary and the book lets us know the Son of God feels such a disconnection from God that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, is there anybody here who's got some serious questions you don't mind asking God? And I know a lot of y'all have been raised. Don't you question God. I just told you Jesus questioned God. And if you ain't never wanted to ask God what's up and what the hell is going on, you got more religion than Jesus, Job, and Gideon. And so understand there is a sense of disconnection that can happen in our walk with God. And somebody came to church tonight and you feel it, don't you? You feel that disconnection. Why? Because you've been wounded and the wounds are beneath the mask. What's underneath your mask? Can you tell me about your wounds? Well, if you're in the house, let's hop homiletically into this poetic passage that is so familiar and powerful. The book lets us know that Paul, the gospel globetrotter and trailblazing theologian from Tarsus, the articulate African apostle Paul, is writing the redeemed in Rome. That's enough to shout you right there because the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire in the known world at the time. They were the America of their day with the strongest military. They were running the known world. But watch what happened. Paul writes and discovers there are Christians in Rome. Y'all don't get your shout. I'll see if I can help you shout. The shout is right there in chapter 1 when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that is a shout if you know the context because in biblical antiquity, the word gospel was a revolutionary term. We have sanitized and deodorized gospel. But do you know in, in, in antiquity, the gospel or good news was the result of what had happened when a runner was at the front lines and watching the battle between one nation and another nation. And during the course of the battle, he would discover who's winning. They didn't have C 
CNN or MSNBC or Fix News or Fox News. And so what they would do, they would watch to see who's winning. And once they discovered who was winning, they would take off running back to the area. And on their way back, people would see the runner running and declare how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings or the gospel message from afar. Y'all miss your shout right there. The shout is, Paul says, in this Roman Empire context, Paul says something subversive and revolutionary. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You see, I've been at the front lines, and I've seen my Savior hang on a cross, but then get up on Sunday. And because he got up on Sunday, I'm here to let you know who the real winner of the war is. And all I'm trying to say, when you know the Lord for yourself, you know who the winner of the war is. This was revolutionary. It was subversive. Rome doesn't have the last word. God has the last word. God holds, I like this, the trump card that Trump can't even handle. I'm trying to let somebody know right now the empire will not have the last word. Many scholars mistakenly look at Romans and just detach it. Watch this from its context. But you can't divorce theology from context. Theology always says something about the context it is addressing. And that's what's going on right here when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's what he's going on when he refers to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Because in antiquity, don't miss this, the Roman Empire referred to himself as the Son of God. And so to call someone else the Son of God, it was subversive. It was a threat to the empire. And that's when Christianity is at its best, not in bed with the empire, but speaking truth to the power of the empire. Because the empire always has its preachers that they use to pimp the rest of the people. The empire always comes up with preachers who serve as overseers to help people stay in control. They will pray for a president whose policies prey on people. Y'all know I'm talking about Paula White and Robert Jeffries and Jerry Falwell and people of that ilk who decide to forget about biblical integrity because all this time they've been down with family values but now they're supporting a man who doesn't know what the meaning of a family is. Ain't got no values. He's amoral but they support him. Why? Because they're being pimped and paid by the empire. Preach Freddie Haynes. You know I'm doing that. And so here is what's going on. Paul writes and says y'all are in Rome and you're the redeemed community. And as the redeemed community, here's your shout. You recognize that the church at its birth was the church at its best born as a protest movement that created an alternative community to the world around it. Y'all didn't shout. The church is always protesting the empire when the empire's values contradict the values of Almighty God and then creates an alternative community. That's why I love going to church because I can come to a community that ain't like the world that's out there. God deliver us from churches that are so worldly that they don't create an alternative community. You see, there ought to be something that happens when you get here. You ought to feel peace and love and strength and support. God deliver me from these churches that treat certain people as if they're less than and not equal to. No, baby Baba, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. Ain't nobody better than anybody else. When you know if it had not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? But hold on, it's about to get gooder because Paul writes them, and I love Romans. Romans, again, it's a theological treatise. It's brilliant, but it's not divorced from the context of empire. And watch what Paul does. He is laying out for them what they believe about the God above them. Here's your shout that will order their steps in the life before them because what you believe about God ought to dictate how you behave in the world. 
world. Y'all didn't shout. I see if I can help y'all with that. You see, when you come to church, that's a hallelujah about the God above you. But when you leave church, it's do you hallelujah in the world in front of you. Y'all still not getting this thing. I'm trying to let you know the Bible says he's writing the redeemed in Rome. I'll rush to chapter 8 because chapter 8 is a killer. It's after chapter 7 where he's talked about his own struggles because all of us got struggles when I would do good. Evil is always present, but then he shouts us by saying in chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. We don't live under the sentence of condemnation because of the amazing grace of Almighty God. That's why nobody should look down their noses of judgmental snobbery at anybody else because all of us have been saved by the amazing grace of Almighty God. Grace woke me up this morning. Grace started me on my way. Grace gave me not a second chance. I ran out of that a long time ago, but grace gave me chance after chance after chance after chance. Do I have some grace testimonies in the house? Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. It was grace that bought my liberty. I don't know why God came to love me. So God looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. But hold on, it gets gooder. The text lets us know. He's saying now in chapter 8 how amazing our God is because we are freed now by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And look what he talks about in this victorious chapter, chapter 8, leading up to the passage. I'll rush to it because in chapter 8 he says this. This messes me up right here. He says the whole earth is groaning in anticipation of what God is about to do. He also talks about our own suffering and says, in essence, I reckon not that the sufferings of this present time are worthy to be compared to the glory that God has in store for us. You didn't shout. Let me, Freddie Haynes, remix it. God is so good that God can use the bad you are going through to get you to the glory you go into. Preach, Freddie. I just did. And so Paul, my sisters and brothers, has set the stage for this passage because in this passage note with me he's speaking to a people evidently a, a familiar with suffering they are catching hail and Paul says don't y'all trip when you catch hail and because when you catch hail sometimes it will jack with your prayer life when it jacks with your prayer life you will find yourself falling on your knees and not knowing what to say I'm gonna just talk for me since y'all ain't never been here but every now and then I fall on my knees and the words can't quite come. I get distracted real easy because of all the stuff going on in my life. I even fall asleep while I'm praying and I'm wondering if God is hearing me pray. This is what the text says. The text says God uses our negatives to work a better picture. Y'all didn't get it. I'll shout y'all. You see, I love that subject. That subject is fire. I don't care what y'all say, but it ain't original with me. I got it from Drake because Drake in his last piece has a bar that kills me. It's a brilliant bar and Drake testifies, I learned working with negatives makes for better pictures. I'll do it one more time because he's using the metaphor of photography because in photography whenever you get ready to develop a picture, you have to go in a dark room and you use a negative and using a negative in the dark, it produces a picture. Boom. I'm about to shout somebody right now because God sent me to Tabernacle in Augusta to let somebody know tonight. I know you're bruised and scarred underneath that mask, but there's a God that sits high and looks low. And God is so good that God can take that negative, allow you to go through a dark room of difficulty, and then you come out with a picture that no one had ever seen coming. Is there a witness in the house who will say, you just told my story. I've been through some dark days. I've been through some negative moments, but God used the darkness and the negativity to create my picture. Y'all know I'm. that's a gospel song. If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. So, so, so how? 
How does this work? I'm almost done. Watch the text. It's going to shout you. The text says, and it's right there. I'm not making this up. The text says that, that, that when we pray, we don't even know how to pray like we should. Uh, but the good news is the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Preach Freddie Haynes. I'm about to do that thing. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you fall on your knees to talk to God, you ain't falling on your knees by yourself. The Holy Spirit hacks into your prayer. And when the Holy Spirit hacks into your prayer, the Holy Spirit helps us. I'm not coming through. I make this real plain. I guess the point I'm trying to let everyone know is that we have a prayer partner for wounded warriors. That's the point I'm trying to get to. When you are wounded, we've got a prayer partner. How do I know? Because the text said the text says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm preaching for Charles Goodman, who's preaching at Hampton, so I knew I had to do my homework. So etymologically, I unpacked the word weakness in the original Greek language. The word weakness is going to mess you up. It has to do with being wounded. It has, it has to do with being scarred, not only physically, but also emotionally and psychologically and spiritually. Something traumatic has happened to you that's not quite through you, but what through with you. But look what happens. The text says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps. The word help in the Greek. I love that word. It's a word that was used as a medical term for someone who is nursing, someone who has been wounded, meaning that the Holy Spirit is able, if you let him, the Holy Spirit will tend to your wounds. And so while I am praying, the Holy Ghost says, if you are real with me about how you feel, because parenthetically, you cannot heal from what you ain't real about. Preach, Freddie, I just did. And so the Holy Spirit says, while you are praying, if you keep it real with me, I will nurse, I will tend to those wounds that you have emotionally. I'm not even done. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our woundedness, because the Spirit intercedes for us, and the word intercede is even more powerful. It talks about someone coming along who sees someone who is trapped in an insufferable situation. They can't get out themselves, but because the Spirit comes along and says, you've been stuck too long in this situation. You've been trapped too long in this negative spirit. You've been trapped too long in this miserable mood. I'm going to come along and I'm going to move the stuff around you and then give you strength to get back up. I'm not coming through. The book says it's the spirit. Huh. The spirit. Now, now the spirit in this text is pneuma, but, but y'all do know that another word for spirit, Jesus left us in the gospel of John when Jesus said, and the comforter is going to come. And etymologically, you know the word comforter. It's, it's, it's the word what? Paraclete. 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 In the Greek, it means one who comes alongside. Huh, preach, Freddie, I'm about to. The paraclete is the one who comes alongside. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, that's a big word. I'm showing off education. Let me break it down. You don't know what a paraclete is, but I bet you know what a parasol is. A parasol. That's what you'll see during the Masters Tournament as people are walking from one hole to the other. If the sun is beating down, someone will flip up a parasol. The parasol is a protective agent. The Holy Spirit says, I come alongside as your paraclete to serve as your parasol. Y'all still didn't shout. You don't know what a paraclete is. I bet y'all know what a paraphrase is. You see, a paraphrase is when you can't understand a difficult phrase, and so when Pastor Goodman is up and he's preaching, and with elegant eloquence he uses a sagacious and sterling sentence that is loaded with polysyllabic words, and then he'll back down, and then he will break it down. It's called a paraphrase. Every now and then, when you go 
going through stuff that you can't make sense of, the paraclete acts as your paraphrase and helps you understand it better by and by. Y'all still missing your shout. You don't know what a paraclete is. I bet y'all know what a paramedic is. You see, a paramedic simply means when you can't get to the doctor, the doctor comes and see about you. And I'm so glad we have a paraclete who shows up as our paramedic. He's a heart fixer. He's a mind regulator. He's a burden bearer. He's a heavy. Does anybody know the paraclete? Okay, okay, okay. I'll get you. I, I got you. I got you. Watch this. I got to help y'all because some of y'all didn't get this. Listen, listen. Two years ago, my mother uh, was stricken, rushed to the hospital there in Dallas. And so I'm out of town. I, get, I, I, I cut my engagement short, rushed back to Dallas and rushed to the hospital. And there she is in the hospital. And y'all, this is what happened. Still to this moment, it blows my mind. She had had stroke-like symptoms and her blood pressure is sky high. She has a history of hypertension and strokes. And so needless to say, I'm toe up from the flow up and feel like I can't get back up. And finally, they move my mama to a room. And when they move her to a room, I'm sitting at her bedside monitoring things. And check out what happened. While seated there, all of a sudden, the blood pressure that they had gotten under control went back up. And when that thing went back up, I called the people at the nurse's station immediately. I'm pressing the button repeatedly and nobody is responding well I get up because I ain't waiting this is my mama and I run down to the nurse's station and I tell the nurse I said my mama's blood pressure has gone up to 210 that's dangerous and they said yes it is and they ran ahead of me toward her room I'm on my way to my mama's room and a voice out of another room has the nerve to call me and they say Pastor Haynes is that you now check this I love ministry to people. I love pastoral care, but this ain't the time. This is my mama, and I ain't trying to have no conversation with you. I ain't trying to pray for you. Don't judge me, but I ain't feeling that right now, okay? And so here I am, and this woman calls me by name. When she called me by name, I I began to speak in an unknown tongue because I knew I don't judge me okay I knew I could not I could not ignore her calling me because that meant she'd be talking about me yeah that past hands all stuck up here in the hospital and wouldn't even come see about me when I called this name and so y'all know I went in her room and I said yes ma'am how you doing God bless you she said come on in here I want to pray for you I said what now she's hooked up to a machine and she says, you come in here, Pastor Haynes, and let me pray for you. Okay, okay. All right. Y'all going to get this in a moment. She says, Pastor Haynes, you come in here, and you let me pray for you. And so I said, I said, ma'am, I'll pray for you. It's really fine. I'll pray. She said, no, no, no. I'm going to pray for you. I, I, I didn't you to pray for me. I'm, I'm fine. I didn't talk to God already about me and my situation so so I don't need you praying for me right now I need to pray for you I said well what what, what why what why she said because you a pastor and you always giving out you always are giving yourself to other people praying for them what about you when you need prayer and so when God let you run by my room the Holy Spirit touched me and said that man needs prayer right now I'm starting to cry because she doesn't even know my mama's down the hallway she said how can I pray for you I said well be honest my mama's right down the hallway that's who I'm here with she said well hold big mama's hand let me talk to God for you and here is the prayer I promise you this is the prayer she said dear Heavenly Father I come to you now in the name of the great physician your son Jesus Christ in Jesus name amen I said, what? 
I said, you done? She said, yeah. She said, me and the Holy Ghost just had a conversation with you. And I don't know all that's going on with your mother, but the Holy Ghost does. And so the Holy Ghost just took my groans up to heaven to talk to God on your mama's behalf. And I might as well tell you, I ran back to my mama's room and the nurse said, are you sure her blood pressure was over 200? Because right now it's 117. I said, don't worry. I just had a conversation with the great physician. I'm trying to let somebody know what the old folk used to say. When you ain't got the words to say, just moan because the devil don't know what you're talking about. Moan because the Holy Ghost takes your moans up to God. I got to quit. I've held y'all too long. Let me go ahead and give you this last piece. In the final analysis, watch the text. The text messes me up and says, God takes the pain from our adversity and makes it a part of the recipe for your destiny. I'm going to do that one more time. God takes the pain of the hell you've been through and makes it a part of the recipe for your destiny. There is a recipe for your destiny. Y'all still not shouting. Don't you know the word recipe recipe simply says there's a lot of stuff a lot of ingredients in the mix and all the ingredients don't taste good but because we have a master chef the chef knows the recipe and so even the stuff that don't taste good by itself it's a part of the great recipe and so some of y'all can shout right now because when that clown walked out on you it was a part of the recipe because God knew as long as they were there God couldn't get for you what God wanted to get to you because they had too much hate in them that job did not fire you God set you free that clown didn't divorce you God delivered you it's a part of the recipe for your destiny and so you know the text is it's too familiar and we know that in all things God is working together all of that stuff for good to those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. Isn't that good news right there? That God says, I'm taking all the stuff you've been through to make it a part of what I'm up to in your life. Here's your shout right here. Joseph tells his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You didn't shout. You meant it for evil comma, but God meant it for good. I talk fast because y'all missed every shout I just dropped on you. I'm going to do it slow. You meant it for evil, but now I've been coming here a minute. Y'all know where I'm going now because the word but is a conjunction. I ain't smart like good, so I didn't always know what a conjunction was, but one Saturday morning, back in the day, I'm watching cartoons, song comes on, conjunction, junction. Y'all saw that thing, didn't you? The function of a conjunction is to connect what's before with what's after. And if you have the adversative conjunction, but yet, however, how be it, it simply means whatever's on the front side is about to have its behind kicked by what's on the back side. Anybody ever had God insert in the sentence of your situation God's cosmic conjunction and say, but weeping may endure for a night? joy comes in the morning in this world you shall have tribulation be of good cheer i have overcome the world the wages of sin is death the gift of god is eternal life somebody can testify i was down but god raised me i was sick but god healed me i was a mess but god did something spectacular with my life you meant it for evil joseph said but, watch this, God. <sighs> That's enough, ain't it? But God, but God will heal you when you're broken. But God will raise you when you're down. But God will make a way out of no way. But God, here it is, meant. Stop. The word meant. In Hebrew, we get several words from. I think I've told you one word is weave. Another word, watch this, is forecast. 
You meant it for evil, but God forecast good. <laughs> Preach, Freddie. I'm about to. Uh, 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 you do know that's what weather forecasters do. They, they forecast. And, and recently, I'm in New York visiting my daughter, Albany, and here's what happened. It's, I love this, it's a Thursday, and they're forecasting because it's the winter time. It's a Thursday, and they forecast because it's cold and snow is on the ground. And so they are saying it's going to be like this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But Sunday, if you all can just hold out till Sunday, uh, Sunday... Uh, the sun is going to be out. Sunday, it's going to be a, and, and we're going to have an unseasonably warm day in the winter. But you got to get through Thursday, Friday, Saturday to the forecast that's on Sunday. You meant it for evil, but God had a different forecast. And I came to tell y'all that God has a forecast over your life. The forecast simply says the best is yet to come. The forecast simply says God ain't through with you yet. God is up to something in your life. God has a forecast. Now, you know what? I see what's going on, and it just, that, that's, man, thank you for letting me come, because your preaching gifts and genius has created this climate in the church with y'all know how to hear a sermon so well, and it just, it blesses me that y'all know how to hear, because when you hear a sermon, you're supposed to listen in anticipation of celebration. Listening, getting ready to shout. Some churches listen, ain't got enough sense to shout. Other churches shouting, and you know they ain't listening. But y'all are listening, and y'all want to shout, but you won't shout because you've been listening. And I know what you're listening for. You're listening to find out, so what happened to your boy Jamie? Because you left Jamie in Minnesota with his car flipped on its, on, on its head, and you left Jamie with his knees wounded in that ice storm, and yet I told y'all I was talking to him face to face. We were about to pray together, so y'all know he survived. You may not know how he survived, but you know he did survive, and sometimes you may not know how, but long as you know who, you can shout on the who, even if you don't know the how. Anybody can testify, I don't know how but I do know who so watch this I, I, I'll free y'all so y'all can go ahead and shout here's the shout Jamie I said man well what happened when you were flipped on your head your dis your phone is disconnected he said well that's when I began to remember the wisdom of my grandmama who was a prayer warrior I could not think of what to pray and so I just began to moan and while moaning pastor this is what happened my cell phone rang I said rang you said it was disconnected and he said I thought it was disconnected I answered the phone and on the other end was my daddy I said dad what are you doing he said son I'm calling to check on you what you doing he said son listen I said daddy but my phone was disconnected I tried it a few hours ago I know it was disconnected but son I called you and once I found out your phone was disconnected because your account is in my name I was able to pay to get you reconnected and because you are reconnected I also have a trace on you I know where you are and I got folk who are coming to rescue you right now because my name is on your account and you are about to get rescued I'm done but is there anybody here who knows that his name is on your account he was wounded for my transgressions bruised for my iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him but with his stripes we're healed and so be healed because his name is on your account be healed because when you can't pray the Holy Ghost prays for you be healed because all things work together for good to those that love God be healed why because you can work with negatives to get a better picture boom